isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord? I, I think it is too. Now, one thing you need to realize is that our worship leader is not feeling well today. And so you have me to lead the music and uh, or pretend to lead. Other people really leading. I'm just taking credit. Um, but anyway, and if you sing with me, you don't have to hear me as much. And I highly encourage that. So we're going to start. And you know, um, we, have a, we have someone that we can trust like nobody else can trust. And that's Jesus Christ. He's our hope. He's our hope in life. And he's our hope even after life, right? Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me and let's sing together.
standing. I want us to pray right now. And you know the arms of love of the Lord that go out from Anastasia Baptist Church go around the world. And right now, like no other time, those ministries that we're touching need our prayers. I heard, uh, we, I want to show a picture up here of our, mich- our orphanage in Haiti. And uh, we have church members here who found an orphanage. We helped support this orphanage in Haiti. And we heard this past week that there are gangs that are trying to say this land is ours and overtake that orphanage. And uh, that's a very dire situation. I've never seen it so dire as it is right now. And those, those orphans there, they need protection. The staff that are there, they need protection. We need to pray for them. We have church members, David and Barbara Crossman. They're in Moldova. They've been working tirelessly uh, with refugees from the Ukraine. And, uh, and now uh, Russia has set its sights, the government of Russia set its sights on Moldova increasingly. And that is becoming increasingly a, uh, a target. We have missionaries there that need our prayers. Um, we have an Ecuador mission partnership that we're starting. We have a mission trip going. Yesterday, the hometown of our missionaries on the field there in Cuenca, they had a very large earthquake. We need to pray for them. Could we just pray for those that we touch? Lord Jesus, as we come to worship here, Lord, we know that you are powerful. Lord, we know that you are great. Lord, we know that you are faithful. And Lord, I pray for those that that do your work around the world, those that we know and love and support. Lord, we're asking a special measure of your protection. Lord, as we gather to worship, Lord, not only do we worship your great name, Lord, we, we worship your power. Lord, we worship your purpose of redemption. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would work to make things work together for good that for those that love you. Lord, we know that that's what you do. Lord, I lift up Fontana Village, Lord, the orphanage in Haiti. And Lord, I pray for those, those kids, those kids that don't have a mother or father to protect them, Lord. And, and Lord, I pray that you would continue to give them a safe place to live and, and, and a secure supply of food and water. Lord, we're, we're pleading for their lives. Lord, I'm pleading for the lives of the staff that are there as uh, they're being threatened by forces outside the walls of the orphanage uh, saying that they want to come in and take over. Lord Jesus, I pray for protection and sanctuary, Lord. Lord, I pray for a soft heart on, on the part of those that are making the threats, Lord, that you would turn them, Lord, and turn them to you. Lord, I pray for the situation in the Ukraine, Lord, and, and in Moldova. And Lord, I pray for protection for David and Barbara Crossman. Lord, I pray that you bring peace, not as the world brings peace, but peace like you bring peace. And Lord, that you would protect them in their efforts to minister to people that are hurting and homeless. Lord, uh, I pray that you would work in power. Lord Jesus, I pray for the, the citizens of Cuenca, Ecuador. Gary and Dina Pate, Lord, in the ministry there, Lord, I pray that you would bring uh, healing, Lord, Lord, the power to rebuild. And Lord, we know that you not only rebuild lives, you rebuild hearts, Lord, you make lives new. And we're trusting in that today. In your precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray, as we give this time of worship to you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
Well, we want to welcome you this morning. We're glad that you're here, <clears throat> that you've taken the time to uh, come, and I pray that this service will be a blessing to you. And uh, as you notice, uh, we don't, we're not going to do an anthem this morning, so I want you to stay in your seats. Don't leave. Uh, <laughs> we had a fantastic anthem to share with you, and maybe, maybe next week. Okay, it's a real great anthem, and I'm, I, I just wanted to sing it for you this morning, so come next week and you'll hear it. I just want to, got a few announcements, and uh, first of all, uh, if you're new here and you've not been here before, you can go online with, at the number connect to 904-441-6900, and that, that'll get you into the system, and then you can connect on news, and that will tell you what's going on and all the other activities here at the church. Also, you can go out and ask the folks out at the desk, and they will answer any questions that you might have. Okay, so uh, if you want to talk to your computer, you can, or you can talk to a real person out there. <laughs> but we invite you, and we're glad that you're here, and we pray that uh, this will be a blessing, this service. And uh, the, the, the advantage of being in a position like I am, that I hear the sermon twice. So I have no excuse after I hear it again. And it's a good message this morning. The Lord has laid some real good thoughts on Pastor Waller's heart. So when he gets up here, he needs your prayers. Don't forget to pray for him when he gets up here. You know, you need to do that. Okay, now next, VBS. Vacation Bible School. It's an important time here at the church. And uh, so if you, it's uh, June 5 through 9, and we, we would uh, invite you, if you, have, if you would like to volunteer and to help, you can do that. And just go back out at the desk and tell them, I want to volunteer for VBS. And uh, they'll take your name and they'll plug you in. And it's a lot of fun. It really is. It's a whole week. So if you're really anxious and you have a lot of energy, you want to come and do it because it's wonderful. And I know some of the people that served last year, I was here right at the end time, and one of the ladies came back and she says, I am wore out. <laughs> but it's wonderful. And the kids have a wonderful time and they do a good job. Also, we have... Uh, Wednesday night, we'll begin our program again. We'll have supper at 5 o'clock, and we're going to have breakfast this, this, uh, at, at supper time. So if you like breakfasts, come, because it's going to be good. It's $5, and then after that, they have a kid praise and the choir practices, the orchestra practices, and so it's a full night. And then also, be sure you grab one of these, more than one of these, before you leave today. This is a, uh, a note that you can give to a neighbor, and it, on the back it gives the Easter service, Good Friday service, and Easter service is 8, 9, and 10.30, so you, you can't miss it. There's plenty of time to come and worship. So take one of these. They're out at the, de out at the, uh, the desk out here in the narthex, and so take one home and give it to a neighbor and invite them to come. Okay, you want to all stand for a minute because you're going to sing another hymn? 
And what I want you to do is turn around and say hello to somebody that you might not know. And then we're going to take a test if you remember their names. church. That was my dad's favorite song. And I know he's in the garden in heaven. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. That's what a lot of people describe Annie Armstrong, the missionary that we've named our Easter offering after. 
She was uh, born in 1850. In 1870, she became a missionary until she died in 1939. The thing about Annie Armstrong is that she was so passionate for missionaries that she helped start WMU, which is Women's Missionary Union, which is now in existence actually today, which is part of the North American Mission Board that we actually have, and that's what we're, we collect our Easter offering from. So I just wanted you to kind of have a picture of her when you see the, the uh, Annie Armstrong name of who she is. And so you say, well, how do I give to this, this offering? Well, we have a few ways for you to do that. And that also would give you ways to do our personal offering for our church as well. The first one is to go out into the atrium or to the vestibule out here, and you will see, off, you will see cards, offering cards that you can put in there, and they have the names on each one of them for you to pick out which offering you'd like to give, or you can do all three. That would be awesome with us as well, as it would be giving to more than just one. The other way you can do that is you can go to anastasiachurch.org and you can look at the bar across the top of your computer of the website and you'll see the word give and you can just click on that and that will take you there as well. And then we have one other way that you can give through a digital platform and that is to put in the phone number 904-441-6900, text the word give and that will take you there. So there's so many ways to give. Um, and we are just a giving and generous church. So would you please pray with me over our offering this morning? Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it's just so overwhelming when we think of not only us giving, but how much you've given to us, Father, as we approach this Easter season. Lord, just be with each one of us here in this room. Help to guide us of how to give, and, and Lord, help the ministries within not only our church, but in the world, and in the United States, and the United everywhere. Lord, I, I just pray that you would help guide us of how you want us to do and what you want us to give and how you want us to serve. We just love you. Father, we just praise you for all the awful, awesome, awesome things that you have done in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
last verse, my favorite verse of this hymn. It tells me of all the benefits that I have because of his faithfulness. Let's sing it together. Pardon for sin and is a prayer, asking the Lord to speak to us through his word as we prepare for the message. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness that the
seated. I need just a second to catch my breath. Change gears here. We're moving toward Resurrection Sunday. We're moving toward Easter. And we are on this message series we're calling uh, uh, Lead Me to the Cross. We're looking at those passages as Jesus is approaching the cross, those passages where he did some very important teaching. And we've heard his teaching in John 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. We saw what he taught the disciples the night that he was betrayed, the night before the crucifixion, less than 24 hours before he went to the cross. And now we're coming to John 17 and... and um, this isn't teaching. Jesus has moved. The next three weeks will be in John 17. What we see now is a prayer. Jesus has finished with the teaching. Now he's praying. Powerful words. And I invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read, as I read what is recorded in John chapter 17. I'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 this week. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you've given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me. And they've received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Lord Jesus, as we remember this prayer that you prayed physically in the presence of your disciples. Lord, I pray that we would understand the truths that are there, Lord, as you're speaking directly to the Father and you let us overhear that divine conversation. Lord, help us to glean truth. Help us to hear that passion and share that passion because our world needs it. And Lord, do your work in us. Lord, thank you for your prayer for us. And in grateful hearts, we come to you in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is the first of three weeks we'll be looking at this prayer. Do, do you hear the passion of Jesus here? 
It's, it's not just words. This is, this, is, this is his heart, and he's praying. He's praying for us. You're going to find in a couple weeks that he's praying for us right now, those of us that are here. He's praying for us, okay? You know, that's why so many Bible scholars call this the actual Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer. And what we saw in the Sermon on the Mount, that's the model prayer. That's how he taught us how to pray. But you want to see a prayer that Jesus prayed? John chapter 17. This is his prayer. You know, the other one, our Father who art in heaven, that's how he taught us to pray. But this is, this is Jesus' heart poured out to the Father. You know, and he prayed for us. You know, I am so grateful that I serve a Lord who doesn't just rule us, but he loves us. He loves us. He feels for us. He sacrificed for us. What could be better than being in the love and the care and the protection of Jesus Christ, the King and King and Lord of Lords? What could be better because of his love, you know? He's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. And that's, that's why I've titled this message, What Could Be Better? Because there isn't anything better. If you're asking me, there's nothing better than Jesus. Nothing better. I just want to unpack this. And what I mean by nothing could be better. In verses 1 and 2, Jesus said this. He said, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now, that's an interesting phrase. Father, the hour has come. In the Greek, uh, that action word, that verb is, is in a tense. It's called the perfect tense if you're a nerd like me about Greek language and stuff. It's in the perfect tense. And the perfect tense says there's an action that's completed, okay? A past tense also does that, but this is different. A perfect tense means that the action is completed, but the results of that action are continuing on, and they don't stop. And so he could say the hour has come, and that hour is still remaining. That's what it's saying here in the Greek. This hour has come, and the effect of that, that hour that was coming is still remaining today. The hour has come. It's here right now. It's right now for them 2,000 years ago, and it's right now for us here in this room. The hour has come for the Father to be glorified. This is the hour where we sing praise and worship. We give praise and worship the Father. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, this is also the hour for the Son to be glorified. The Son whose name is above all names. That name, Jesus Christ. This is the hour. The hour has come to glorify Jesus Christ. Now is the time. Because it says in verse 2, because Jesus has authority over all flesh. He has authority over all flesh right now. He is now Lord. Did you know that, that you don't make Jesus Lord of your life? No one ever makes Jesus Lord of your life. He's already Lord of your life. Because all authority was given to him. See, Jesus is not running in an election in 2024 for you to make him Lord of your life. You see, some of us just have to recognize it, but he's already Lord of our lives. He already has authority. Now is the time for us to recognize that he has the power. He has the power uh, to give us eternal life, and that's life forever with Jesus in heaven. The hour has come. When I say... What could be better than Jesus? Part of that is this, and this is the first thing to write down in your sermon notes. There's no better time for being in Jesus. The hour has come. There's no better time for being in Jesus. I had a conversation with somebody this week, 
And they wanted to come and talk about things that were spiritual. But then at the end, they said, well, by the way, since I have you here, can I talk to you? Do you think this is a good time to put my money in a bank or invest in this? I'm going, you are talking to the wrong person. I know nothing about that kind of thing. If you ever looked at my finances, you would know I'm not a financial expert. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very simple in the way my finances work. And I don't know when the right time to invest in the stock market or the bank is now, but I know this. There's no better time for being in Jesus. No better time. There's no better time for being released from guilt. I mean, when I, when I, when I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he takes away all the guilt. When do I want, what do I want to wait for, for, for Jesus to take that guilt away? There's no better time. There's no better time to start fresh. Do you need a new start? What better time is today? There is no better time for being in Jesus. There's no better time for opening up your heart to the peace of knowing that whatever happens here in this life, and I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. There is no better time. And so if you're someone that, for some reason, you're thinking, well, I'm going to make that decision for Christ a little bit later. I just have one question for you. What are you waiting for? (laughs) What in the world are you waiting for? Are you waiting for your life to get worse? Till you hit rock bottom? Are you waiting for life to get better? You know, if you're going through terrible times, you want life to be better, then you'll trust in Jesus Christ. You know, if your life is not good, Christ makes it better. What are you waiting for? You know, if you, some people say, well, you know, I want to experience more of life here, those things that promise to be exciting. Those things that promise to be exciting leave you unsatisfied and unfulfilled and empty. What are you waiting for? The hour has come. There is no better time to turn your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Help me, Lord, know you as Lord. In every hour of my life, now is the time to give Jesus everything. There is no better time to be in Jesus And no better time to be fully in Jesus. That's what I mean. There's something else in verse 3. Verse 3 says, and this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. You know, sometimes we talk about eternal life and some of us think that eternal life is what happens after I die. Eternal life starts the minute I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it's not just a length of life. It is a length of life. Eternal life, once it starts, it starts and it doesn't end. It it fills me for the rest of my physical life. And then when I go on to heaven, it continues on. That's what eternal life is. But it's a quality of life. And it's a quality of life of knowing Jesus, okay? And knowing the Father. That's the kind of life. So it's knowing Jesus. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to people and I want to share faith, and I'm, I'm having a conversation, and maybe steer it that way, I might ask the question, uh, how, how is your life going? Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being terrible, 10 being amazing. How would, you, how would you rate your life right now, this day? You know, they might say it's a 7 or an 8. They might say it's a 3 or a 4. And then I'll say, 
What would make that number better? If you wanted that number to be better in life, what would make it better? And you get some nice answers. People say, you know, if I had just a little bit more money, that number would go up. Just a little, that's just a little more. Or if I had, if I had um, uh, uh, less, less stress, or if I had more time, or if my relatives weren't so darn stupid, <laughs> then my life would be better, right? They'd say things like that. And I might ask, what do you think it would be like if you added God to the mix? Do you think that number would go up or down? And then I'll share, for me, it made it better. For me, adding God to the mix makes it better. For me, adding Jesus to life, knowing God, having eternal life, that makes my life better. And there's no better life than eternal life. There's no better life than knowing Jesus. That's the next point. No better life. Having all my needs and aspirations met forever. That makes life better. That's what eternal life is. It's knowing God, not just knowing about God. It's knowing God and knowing Jesus. I want to have the best life. My wife and I are slowly planning a couple weeks of vacation uh, for this summer. We're going to make a driving trip around Lake Michigan just to see what's up there. We've never been there. And I'm on a quest because we're going up through Wisconsin, Wisconsin's dairy land. And I'm, I'm on a quest. I want to find the best ice cream in all of Wisconsin. <laughs> That's what I'm wanting to do, okay? Because I want what's best, okay? Well, that's what Christ wants for you. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it how? Have it abundantly, okay? Abundant life. And you know, I love that my life in Christ has given me contentment. There's no better life than knowing Jesus. I'm not the richest person I know by far. I don't drive the newest car. I'm not the smartest person I know. And I don't have every, everything. Everything is not coming up rosy in all areas. But I want you to know, I have contentment in Jesus Christ, and I wouldn't change my life in Christ for anything. Amen. Wouldn't change it for anything. You know, this is not a practice for another life and that I have another life and I can get it done better the next time. This is life. And there's no better life than knowing Jesus, to live with the peace and the assurance and the grace. I have that now. You know, um, most of the promises of eternal life, I'm not going to see until I be, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven, okay? But from what I know now, the taste that I have, there's no better life than knowing Jesus. There's no better time for being in Jesus. There's no better life than knowing Jesus. Let's go on in our passage. Jesus said in verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus accomplished the work of the Father. What was that? Well, it's redemption. It's salvation. He lived that sinful life. He came down and he, he identified intimately with sinful humanity without sinning himself and he brought salvation and then he also set in motion the plan for passing the truth of eternal life to the whole world through his believers 
He accomplished the work God the Father told him to do, and the Father was glorified. And the question I have for myself is, have I accomplished the work God has given me to do? What is that work? Well, Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples. We have core values here at Anastasia. Jesus is the way, the Bible is the map, and disciple-making is our mission. Okay, that's the third one there. Well, you see, a disciple, to make a disciple, let me just review here. There are three things that you have to have to have a disciple. A disciple is someone who has to have faith in Jesus Christ. If they don't have faith in Christ, they're not a disciple. They have to be being transformed by Christ as well. If you're not being transformed by Christ, you're not letting Christ change your life, you're not a disciple. Don't fool yourself. And you need to be engaged in Christ's mission. That's what a disciple is. We're, we're called to make disciples. So when I say disciple making, that begins with evangelism. See, sharing my faith, I have to share Jesus Christ and help them to have faith in Jesus Christ too. That's the first step. And there's no better task than sharing my faith in Jesus. Not a better task. For years as a young man, even up to the first two years of seminary, when maybe high school, college, and seminary, whenever the pastor of the church I went to would say, you know, you need to share your faith. And they'd say, you know, before you come back to church on Sunday, you should share your faith with someone. Tell someone about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Help them to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. You should do that by next week. And I always felt guilty because I knew by that next week I would come back Sunday and I would not have shared my faith with anybody. You know, and part of it was I never did because I didn't know how. And then when I was in seminary at our church, they offered a course in how to share the gospel. It was a version of EE, a version of evangelism explosion. And uh, it, it was a course at our church. I took that, and when I shared my faith for the first time, when I shared my faith for the first time, it was awkward. It was, I, I did a terrible job. I did it terribly. And that lady prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because it wasn't about me. It's about the power of the gospel. And let me tell you, I saw firsthand that there is nothing better than being there to witness the spiritual birth of a new believer. There is no better task than sharing my faith. There's, there, you know, some of you, You'll say, I don't share my faith because I really don't know how to. Let me tell you, we, we have a course here, sharing my faith. If you want to know how to do it, Bruce, would you just raise your hand? Talk to him. He'll tell you how to find out how to share your faith. We'll teach you. We want you to know because once you're there and you see someone receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time, you see them receive forgiveness. You see them and the light comes on and the peace and the grace and the joy there is nothing better than that. There is no better task. I don't know what you got in your calendar this week, but it's not nearly as good as seeing someone come to faith in Jesus Christ. And there's power there. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. See, the power comes from being witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's no better task than sharing our faith. As I move on through this, I look at verse 8. And I see transformation in verse 8. Jesus said, I've given them words that you gave me, and then they received them. So Jesus gave the words, they received them. They came to know the truth, and then they believed. 
And this is describing the transformation of salvation, okay? This is the, this is the transformation of beginning to have faith there. They didn't have faith in the risen Lord because at this point Jesus Christ wasn't risen, but they believed in Jesus Christ. There's giving, giving of the word, receiving the word, knowing the truth, and, and then living it out. And that's what faith is. Faith is taking the truth that we've received and living it out. And, you know, trusting Jesus Christ in your life, it's not just data. Jesus makes life better. And there's no better life-changing truth than Jesus. When I say nothing could be better, there is no better truth than Jesus. You know, if you look up self-help books or find self-help books, you go to the bookstore. It's a big business, whether they're spiritual self-help books or secular self-help books. And, uh, you know, to some degree in the flesh, we all want to make whatever changes we can. We want to be a little better than we are, at least most people do. And let me tell you, if you want to be better, I'm not saying you can't read a self-help book or not. But let me tell you, if you want to be better, start with Jesus. Start with the Lord in your life. Just that's the starting place. You know, there, there are a lot of people that think in our culture that accepting the truth of Jesus is like a straitjacket, that it is binding, that it is constricting, that, that because I trust Jesus, that, there's, that my life is worse Because there are behaviors that I don't take part in, uh, destructive behaviors, maybe unproductive behaviors that I don't take part in. And so they think I'm living in a straitjacket. Well, when I, when I start with Jesus, I don't feel constricted at all. When I trust in Jesus, Jesus doesn't restrict me from those destructive behaviors. He frees me from them. I am freed from those. I don't have to do those. I am free to, to go to the very center of his heart. That's what, that's what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled flesh, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When we trust in Jesus Christ and that seed of faith is planted and it blooms, there's one degree of glory. But that's not all the glory that we're going to have. It's going to grow, okay? The glory of the Lord grows in us. Okay. And so surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit, surrendering to Jesus, it doesn't surround me with limits. It frees me to further and more deeply walk with Jesus. There's no better life-changing truth than Jesus Christ. Um, I want to continue on. Verses 9 through 11. Where Jesus said, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. And, and in here, the world means that part of culture that's not under the protection of the Lord. Not under the influence of the Lord, but under the influence of sin. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they're yours. Jesus prayed for his disciples. And you're going to see in a couple weeks that, that he prayed for us as well. He made a way for us so that we could be saved from our sins. And our sins, those are just the things that separate us from having pure fellowship with God. Our sins, they could be an action. They could be a thought. They could be a feeling that doesn't measure up to God's standard of holiness. Impurity. In the presence of almighty God. And all of us fall short. We know that. And what happens, we have these things that separate us from God. And here's what Jesus does. 
He saves us from them by taking them upon himself and paying the price for our lack of holiness. He saves us, literally saves us from our own sins, okay? And he's a savior that prays for us. And so I just want to say to you, there's no better savior than Jesus. He doesn't have his thumb on me trying to make me be a robot and do his will out of pure sheer force and strength. But he prays for me. There's no better Savior than Jesus. There is no other Savior than Jesus. And I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, that's Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let's hold on to Jesus, okay? Let's hold on to Jesus, okay? Because he's our great high priest. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What could be better than having a Savior that sympathizes with us, prays for us, loves us, sacrifices for us? That that person, what could be better than being in the love and care and protection of Jesus Christ? King of kings, Lord of lords, Redeemer, and Savior, and I just want to tell you, nothing could be better. Nothing is better than Jesus. I'm sharing my testimony here. For my, for my life, I don't want what is good. I want what is best. And what is best is Jesus. There's no better time to trust him. There's no better life that you're going to find out there that's going to bring the contentment and grace. And there's no better plan for making the changes that will bring peace and grace to you because there's no one better than Jesus. And that's why I've decided to follow him. And I pray that you will too. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray if there's someone here that has not yet trusted in you fully for their life, for their plan. Lord, I pray this is the moment when they are saying to you and making that conviction in their hearts, Lord, I'm going to live for you because I want all of what you have for me. I want all the contentment. I want all the peace. And I want all the fellowship with you. Lord, if there's someone here that's been living a life halfway in their discipleship, Lord, I pray that this is the day the blind, blindness of the spiritual eyes comes off and they realize that that the stuff that, that keeps us from pure devotion is just stuff that distracts us and is, is not filling. Lord, I pray that we'll be filled to the brim of your power and joy. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would move among us. We'd feel, we'd feel your spirit. We'd feel your power. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. This is a time of response. And if the Lord is speaking to you, you can come to the front and say, you know, I'd like to take a step of faith. And that step of faith may be to be a member of the church and present yourself for baptism. Maybe you just want to come up here and pray. You can pray up here if you want to, if the Lord is calling you. Whatever God is calling you to do, we'll do that right now as the Lord leads you, as Carl leads us in song.
You just you just saying your testimony, no turning back, no turning back, and so when we go out of here, Pastor Walter gave us a blueprint to share our faith, and Jesus started sharing his faith with his disciples. So now as we go, I pray that you will take this congregation out, and use them as a share with brothers and sisters and family and workmates, Lord, use them for your glory because, Lord, you created each of us, and I rejoice in that. Let us go now in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.